Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. Today we are spending the day at the National Equine Forum where 250 of the top experts in the country get together and talk about the future of the equestrian industry. So right now I'm joined by Jeanette Allen, who's CEO of the Horse Trust, and Lynn Peterson, who's CEO of the British Horse Society. How are you both? Great, thank you. Absolutely fine. Thank you very much. I'm really looking forward to hearing your speech today. Can you give us an, uh, a little bit of an inside scoop as to what you're going to be talking about? Right. Uh, it's Lynn. I'll start off because we thought what would be good was to start with the context of the equestrian industry here in the UK. I don't think many people appreciate that it's eight billion contribution to GDP. Wow. That's quite, <laughs> that's quite an extraordinary contribution. Um, so it's a proper, proper industry in and of itself. There's around 1.3 million regular riders and 400 million of our industry is in export goods. So we export 400, <laughs> we do, we export 400 million pounds worth of British equestrian product. For example, the British Horse Society has entered into uh, a partnership with China. Um, we are operating in uh, 13 other countries. So yes, all of us have have a stake in exporting our equestrian product. Um, about 60% of our riders take place in non-affiliated competitions. 96% of our riders say that they ride for pleasure. That's what they love doing. So that's a little context around which we have put these organizations to the test. Yeah, so we've, we've over time, managed to streamline how we talk to government and how we talk to each other mm. by creating the Equine Sector Council for Health and Welfare. And what was already in existence was the British Horse Industry Confederation. And what we're very pleased to be announcing at NEF today is in fact that those two entities are now merging and becoming the British Horse Council. And so we can genuinely speak with one voice to government. Oh, amazing. So yeah. we just need to go. It makes our lives so much easier. One, I love the fact that we've got people backing us and fighting for us, which is great. And if we have any concerns or questions or want to help in any way, then we just go to one body, which is you. That's right. So membership of the British Horse Council will be open as it is to Equine Sector Council already to any equine related organisation. So it's not about individuals, it's about organisations coming together, 
finding common ground and where we do agree on something, speaking with one voice. Very importantly, if we don't all agree, then we won't have a sector view on that. We won't present a sector view and we'll let those disagreements play their course. So individual organisations can still uh, lobby government on their own issues. However, where we do all agree, we're much more powerful agreeing together. Absolutely. So what sort of subjects are you hoping to lobby government on? So some of the things we've covered in the past um, that we would put down as, as definitely sector-wide successes and where coming together has made all the difference would be, for example, in renegotiating the tripartite agreement for the movement of high health status horses between Britain and um, Ireland and France. We've also worked very hard on developing a new code of practice for the keeping of equines for government to create as a new statutory instrument Um, let me just hold you there that would be amazing Uh, wouldn't it be great to have rules on how we look after our horses it's going to protect their welfare yeah we do already have rules but they're just very out of date Um, Mm -hmm. and so instead of DEFRA telling us how to look after our horses they've asked us to develop the new code of practice Um, So it is up to date and we will be reviewing it every couple of years to ensure it stays up to date. Um, On top of that, we've also seen the Control of Horses Act come in, which has helped reduce the numbers of fly grazed horses and ponies in the UK. And we've also created the first ever manifesto for the horse at the last general election. Um, which has started influencing parliamentarians to to take horses seriously. Oh, well, thank you for doing all that for us. Um, It sounds like you're doing an amazing job already. So now, from what you said earlier, the the British Horse Council will be continuing this work. um, And to you, you get the opportunity to go straight to government and to say do you meet how does it work do you meet with them once every few months or do you how does this I don't know I'm I've never been to government how does it work (laughs) it's really about creating relationships what doesn't work for government is if you write to them or talk to them with a list of complaints what they want is a list of issues and some suggested solutions that are actually workable Um, And that's where so far the equine sector has been immensely successful is by presenting not just issues, but proposed solutions. And that's created a a real atmosphere of trust and um, mutual benefit in our relationship with civil servants right up to ministers and the Secretary of State. I noticed there was a debate in government a while ago and there was an MP that's particularly close to horses and it always helps to get them on board, doesn't it? Because if they understand the industry, then they're they're more inclined to persuade the other MPs. Mm. We've, uh, we've, in the last sort of 18 months, two years, done an excellent job, all of us, in reviving something called the APPG, which stands for the All-Party Parliamentary Group for the Horse, which is a way for us as the equine sector to inform MPs of what is uh, what is important in the industry. So we had a large uh, group of MPs join us for the discussion about business rates and how business rates were affecting the equine industry, riding schools and all manner of people who were then subjected to the new business rates. Um, and they are still taking this under consideration. So the APPG is an excellent forum for us to engage groups of MPs to come along and listen to to our to our case. 
And how do you put the cases together? How long does it normally take you? It very much depends on the subject. So some of the issues we've dealt with in the past, we've had to be very reactive. Um, For example, with the horse meat scandal, we had to all move very, very quickly to pull together what our consensus view was as to how we should be identifying horses better um, and how we could ensure that kind of behaviour didn't happen again. Also with fly grazing, um, that's a slightly, that's a longer term problem. So a number of organisations built up a a very formal case with statistics, etc. And presented that case to government. So sometimes it's as as small as a conversation. Other times Mm -hmm. it's very formal meetings. But mostly it's just about keeping that communication channel open. And it's not just us talking to government. It's us taking government's messages and consultations and sending them back out to the grassroots of the equine world and make sure everyone gets a chance to have their say. It's great that those conversations are taking place and I'm still fascinated by what Lynn said in the beginning about us exporting £400 million worth of <laughs> um, product. I just think that's insane and I think our, our, well, in an amazing way and, our, and the perception sometimes for our industry you can tell me if you're hearing this as well is that it's an elite sport where we all have lots of money um, and so we can't get support, we can't get funding because everyone thinks that we've got loads of money when actually we don't. We're all breaking our necks to try and break even. So with the the business rates making it harder and with the the lack of government funding, are those things that you will be able to try and negotiate? Well, our experience is that the rest of the world is uh, remains very, very hungry for British product. And equestrian product is is very highly sought after. So when you get a group of Asian nations together, as happened uh, about a week ago at Asia Horse Week, they, the idea of a British firm being there to offer education and to offer um, different products that will help them with their industry, that's what they're looking for. How can we help them with their industry? And so some of the 400 million is also feedstuffs. So... <laughs> We remain a very popular nation abroad. I'm not surprised. I'm so proud of being British. And when you see the quality of work that's produced and you see the saddle makers and from from people that have, what's really fascinating is people that have never had a business background. They see something, they find a problem, they come up with a solution, they create this, this, this product and they're always so well made and there's so much thought and passion that's got into it and it's the passion of the industry that that I'm not surprised people all over the world want our products I think they're great they do and that's why we're going to be having to deal with some maybe slightly drier um, issues but as a result of Brexit there's a lot of work for the sector to come together to do to look at what legislation are we taking on from the EU going forward? How can we improve it? How can we make sure we keep that trade advantage? How can we make sure that we keep our welfare standards as high as they are, and hopefully even better in the future? So there's a there's a lot of what's going to happen next work that needs to be done. And we think it's it is up to the equine sector to take an active role and not just sit back and wait for government to tell us what will happen. Mm. We need to actually look at what needs to happen and 
be positive and proactive about getting those messages to government. So these drier issues, as you call them, are fundamental for our trade, for our import and our export and money coming into the industry. And we need as much money in this industry as we can possibly get. You know, it costs us a fortune to run our businesses, run our horses. So what sort of things are you hoping to be able to talk to government about? Well, I I know Jeanette can uh, speak very, very well to the specifics, but Also, I just want to make the point that all of these dry issues, as you say, um, are part and parcel of our reputation, and that makes us very desirable in in the rest of the world as well, that we maintain our reputation for taking care of our horses through all of the things that we do. Mm, Totally agree with you. So so that's been everything from uh, persuading government not to delist diseases um, as notifiable such as CEM and EVA which could have been devastating to the thoroughbred breeding industry and the rest of the equine world got behind that um, and agreed with them that would be devastating and therefore we persuaded government to change their mind so that's an example from the past looking to the future we need to make sure that in a post-EU exit world we've organized how we're going to be able to move horses um, around Europe, competition horses, breeding horses, race horses. How are we going to move them? How are we going to deal with border issues? Um, How are we going to protect the equines of the UK from disease incursion in the future? So we're protecting our export trade, but we're also looking at protecting our sports. We're looking at protecting our interests. We're looking at protecting the welfare of the horses of the Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. UK. It's amazing. And what, what, on a personal level, Jeanette, what got you involved in the horse industry to start with? Well, I I grew up on the outskirts of London, so owning a pony was not really an option. Um, But we did have a massive riding school nearby. So I'm I'm a riding school girl. And uh, so I grew up riding other people's ponies. But yeah, I've just always had horses in my life. um, And I'm absolutely passionate about animal welfare in general. And for me, 
being efficient, being effective, having real outputs, that is just so much more important to make sure we work together than for everyone to worry about competing with each other um, in our world. Actually, we're much stronger if we stand together um, and we can achieve so much more. And are you working with the British Equestrian Federation on this? Yes, they're very very—they're part of the British um, Horse Council and have been part of the Equine Sector Council and the BHIC. Um, so they're very much part of this. All the main sort of subsectors of our world are so racing, breeding, sport, leisure riding, uh, veterinary, welfare, research, we, we, you know, even enforcement. So we've we've got representation from from all the different major subsectors within the equine industry. So that's why we're hopeful we we truly are representative including equine trade, for example. Indeed. So completely representative of all equine-related interests and industries. And how can we follow your journey? How can we follow how these conversations are going? Have you, have you built a website? Is there, are there ways that we can kind of keep informed of what's happening? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that any equine organisation can do is to sign up and We'll be putting details of an email address that people can use that's operated by the National Equine Welfare Council. And you can join the British Horse Council or, as we say, join the conversation by signing up to that that list. That will ensure you get told when meetings are happening, what's on the agenda. We'll push government consultations out to your organisation. So that two-way street happens by firstly getting in touch with, with that email address. And then hopefully in the not too distant future, we will have a website. We have to work out where the money's coming from for that. We might be <laughs> passing the hat round, but we will have a website and it will at the very least point people um, in the right direction and include things like minutes of, of where we are and where we are with conversations with ministers and copies of manifestos and that kind of thing. So it is very much a two-way conversation and the best thing people can do is as a member of an organisation, get that organisation to join in. And it's lovely that you're so transparent about the conversations as well so we really can see what's happening because I think for a lot of businesses and for a lot of riders, just anybody grooms, anyone in the industry, it can all seem very overwhelming. And at grassroots level, we're just getting on with our daily job of mucking out horses and, you know, trying to make a living. And you feel really powerless that all these decisions are being made and we don't actually get a say in it. So and with with lots of different councils, you don't even really know who to who to turn to. So I really think it's a great idea what you're doing. And I will be signing up to the British Horse Council I just want to say thank you because it feels like we have somebody protecting us, which, like I said, it it can all seem a little bit overwhelming um, on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, and I think that's a really important point, Amy, to be honest. Um, Some of these very big things might not feel relevant to individuals with with their own horse, but actually it becomes very relevant when there's an equine flu outbreak that's going to affect your horse. So keeping disease under control, having proper identification of who owns what pony and where all these ponies live, you know, these are really important things that do boil down to affecting your beloved horse. Um, And that's what we need to do. We need to always remember it's not just about trade imports and big numbers. It, you know, our relevance needs to boil down to the horse owner and their beloved horse. Remember those 96, 96% of the riders riding for pleasure. 
They have to have a place to ride. They need their bridleways. Uh, they need people on the roads to respect them. So as Jeanette says, it does come down to the individual rider and all the work that's going on behind the scenes to protect them, keep them safe. Thank you. Is there anything else you'd both like to add? This new British Horse Council is going to work extremely hard to bring horses back into the mainstream consciousness of the public. Brilliant. Let's get people really engaged in horse riding because, you know, we, we, it offers so much. The industry just doesn't just offer pleasure riding. You know, it, it offers money into the, in, into the economy. It offers jobs. Um, you, you probably know this, but I heard the other day that uh, I can't remember which one it was, um, which discipline it was, but maybe it's the industry as ho- a whole was, were providing 25,000 jobs a year. Yeah, I mean, as part of the rural economy is absolutely key as an employer and as a producer of of money moving around the rural parts of this country. And that can't be underestimated. No, an interesting thing that I'm struggling with at the moment, and I'm not sure you might be able to, you might have advice on this, is that it's somehow, not only do we have to work with government, but we've also got to work with our local community. We have to work with our farmers. In my area particularly, the farmers own all the land and they hate us. They hate horsey people. Mm. So trying to find somewhere even to the level of keeping your horse is quite difficult. So if we can build a, a really strong, positive view on equestrians that, you know, we're not just going to cause a load of problems, you know, we, we're actually bringing a lot of good into the country, which as equestrians, we know we do. But if the wider market can see that as well, then it's only going to benefit us. So that I guess that even goes down to equestrians being as basic as being polite. Yeah, I mean, I mean, certainly from Lynn's point of view, she would get very cross with anyone who didn't thank a car driver for behaving well. But on a on a national level, just just to go to the farming community, we've already made some significant strides forward by working with the farming and rural community on the Control of Horses Act, mm-hmm. because it was their land that was having ponies being fly grazed on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and under the old Animal um, Act, they were stuck with those responsibility for those horses and ponies for, for 28 days, which is totally unacceptable. Now the Control of Horses Act has brought that down to four days. Now just the equine world could not have got that through without the support of, of the countryside community um, and landowners and farmers. So they've seen that we're also here to help with some of their problems. And that that openness is continuing and we're still working with the livestock owning communities and land owning communities to this day. That's amazing. Well, thank you both very much for your time. Thank you for being at the National Equine Forum and we can't wait to hear when you get your website set up. <laughs> Good. Thank you. We'll let you know. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can catch all the podcasts from the National Equine Forum on their website. Just head to nationalequineforum.com and you can see them on our website, horsehour.co.uk. I hope you enjoyed the live stream and getting involved in the conversations, asking your questions to the panel and to the speakers just by using hashtag horsehour, hashtag NEF.
you'll be able to replay the videos from the forum if you just have a look at their website and their YouTube channel. Now this event wouldn't be possible without the friends of the forum. Our corporate friends are the Blue Cross, Dodson and Horrell, the Donkey Sanctuary, Hadlow College, New Shul and SEIB Insurance Brokers. Along with individual friends, thank you so much to everybody that takes part in the National Equine Forum and organising it and uh, making sure it's super successful every single year. We'd also like to say thank you to the forum sponsors, Beta, British Equine Veterinary Association, the British Horse Society, Bransby Horses, the Jeffrey Scholarship Trust, Bedmax, HBLB, Red Wings, Weatherbees, the World Horse Welfare, the Horse Trust, BHA, which is the British Horse Racing Authority, the British Equestrian Federation and our great supporters, Bully Davy, Craig Payne, NFU Mutual. And uh, we're proud to be supporters of the forum too. Really looking forward to next year. Already there's a date set. It will be the 27th National Equine Forum. And it takes place Thursday, the 7th of March, 2019. I can't believe we're talking about that already. So pop that in your diary, 7th of March next year. So I hope you enjoyed this year's National Equine Forum. I'll speak to you soon. You've been listening to Horse Hour. Join the community on Twitter, Mondays, 8pm UK time, 3pm Eastern, by using the hashtag HorseHour. Follow Amy at AmyStevenson1 and subscribe to us on Acast, iTunes, Stitcher and Player FM. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.